2: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: cute little girl singing let it go down in the subway station which is now a bomb shelter there in ukraine entertaining people as they've been down there for days now in many cases yeah I talked last week about how um, one of the first things that struck me when I went to Russia on vacation was uh, going down the escalator to a a subway. Jeez, how freaking deep is this subway? Before I realized all the subways in the Soviet Union were built to be bomb shelters. That's why they're so deep. And those people, uh, same in Ukraine, and those people are way down there underground to try to protect their lives, and they're trying to entertain each other and keep each other's hopes up. Um... This guy's name is, uh, it, it, Ukraine will survive in one way or another, but I have a feeling that there are going to be streets named after uh, President Zelensky, and statues, and cities, and also after this guy, Vitaly Valdomarich Skakun, I don't know how to pronounce his name, But he's the guy that you heard about last week when we talked about it, who blew himself up on that bridge that stopped the Russian tank columns from coming into his city. And he has become a bit of a household name over there. And in some places around the world, 25-year-old soldier sacrificed his life to take out the bridge. And uh, Horatius at the bridge in Ukraine. It's an ancient story that uh, they used to teach in Latin class, I guess. Uh, going back thousands of years of somebody who sacrificed their life, taking out a bridge. You know, it's, 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 it's a classic war maneuver. But this guy did the very thing. And the, there will be statues to him someday in Yo- Ukraine. Really, a lot of inspirational stories coming out of Ukraine. And yeah, I, think, this... I think the statues are, are are to come.
4: The inspiration is there now. Sure. Their absolutely. real legacy, I think, is going to be, the defense of the homeland, perhaps successful or exacting such an enormous cost from Russia that, you know, their victory will be a parricot
3: best. So Marco Rubio yesterday coming out of a briefing said, we should stop listening to all this Russian negotiation and offers. They're liars. This guy lies. He habitually lies. He plays us like a violin in the West because the West wants to believe that you can cut a deal with everybody. We do have that view of the world when it's just a negotiation. It's just a matter of figuring out what they want and what we want and coming together in the middle. That's not necessarily the way uh, other people in the world look at it. I, I'm i learning more about, because I've been taking a bunch of podcasts from smart people, there's a specific term for it in international relations that escapes me right now, but it's uh, recognizing or failing to recognize Somebody else has a completely different worldview than you do. And, um, you know, it can happen on a smaller level in marriages and work relationships or whatever, just trying to understand somebody else's point of view. But when it comes to international relations, that different point of view can be like somebody from a different freaking planet. And I mean, no wonder you don't agree on these things. You see the world in completely different terms.
4: You even define the words you're using
3: differently. Yeah. Yeah, every word has different meanings, and it's really difficult to get started at all in coming to some sort of negotiation, and I think a lot of that fits in with Putin. Um, uh, Smart people who are making the argument, he's rational from his point of view, from his point of view, that Ukraine for a thousand years has been part of Russia and needs to be again for Russia to be whole. From his point of view, this all makes sense. From your point of view, that we have a world order, Uh, where countries are sovereign and have borders and all these sorts of things. No, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense from his point of view. Right, right. Although,
4: yeah, yeah, that's true. It's absolutely true. I'm just watching events unfold, and uh, I just wonder how Putin's, you know, analysis is changing. Wondering how the equation is changing in his head.
3: And I'm not suggesting he gets to have that point of view. No, we have to pound into his head and everybody else's head who has that point of view that they're either wrong or kill them. Sorry, you just don't get to live on planet Earth with that point of view.
5: Yeah.
4: Yeah, I hear that. So it's clear to me that as Putin's armed forces are struggling, he's going to take it out uh, the only way he can, which is bombing civilians with dumb bombs. Because their lack of use of their air power and precision-guided weapons has military analysts across the world scratching their heads. I've been digging into this, trying to comprehend it. And and the best explanation I can come up with is that the Russian uh, the defense elite was so corrupt that they didn't make the investments they said they were making. And I mean, there's this analysis of why they haven't used their own air power. And there are all sorts of retired generals uh, weighing in. Um, They're not necessarily willing to take risks with their own aircraft and their own pilots, said one senior defense official, said a guy now with an Institute of Aerospace Studies. Apparently, the Russian military has become dominated by their army, and they're just as infected with the habits of many years of counterinsurgency operations, as is the U.S. military. Uh, A report by Britain's Royal United Services Institute said the absence of Russia's vast combat air power in the conflict may be linked to a shortage of precision guided munitions or poor pilot training.
3: Yeah, I just learned the other day that um, in modern warfare, uh, you don't run out of planes, you run out of pilots. That's the first thing you run out of, is people who have the capability to to, to fly those things. And um, if they haven't been training up enough pilots, and then I wonder, because pilots tend to be... uh, you know the best of the best. You got to be super smart and all that sort of thing to fly your modern, high tech planes. I, mm-hmm. I, when, is there any chance that they're way more plugged into the reality of what this war is? And they got an even bigger morale problem with their pilots than they do with the guys on the ground. Yeah, I guess. Although if
4: you send a guy out and say drop these bombs, he's he's probably going to drop these bombs. I mean, other otherwise he'd be jailed or shot. But. um, so they go into a bunch of different aircraft. I won't mention the names. Uh, aviation freaks, you probably know them anyway. Um, they, but this one uh, analyst says, if present in significant numbers escorting these various fighters would have overwhelmed the Ukrainian fighters, even if they did manage to take off for sorties conducted at very low altitude with limited situational awareness. But even that didn't happen. They say Russia has about 300 advanced combat jets within range of Ukrainian targets in the northeast and south. But they appeared to have stayed on the ground in the fighting so far, which has allowed the Ukrainian Air Force to conduct defensive counter-air and ground attack flights that have had some pretty good success against Russian attack helicopters, and the jets flying over the cities provide a big morale boost to Ukrainian fighters on the ground. Not so, to mention that, the lack of Russian warplanes also boosted the air defense forces in using shoulder-fired anti-aircraft missiles like the Stingers, etc., and lack of air power. Huge reason why the Russian ground events has been so slow and they've had such heavy losses.
3: Yeah, so there have been a number of videos of helicopters and planes being shot out of the sky by the Ukrainians. Did that happen early enough and often enough that it just scared them off? I don't know. Maybe I wonder, they got better weapons than we thought. And then the one one thing they
4: add is that the Russians have been weirdly hesitant to fly in weather that's at all bad, because you have to fly lower, and that makes you more vulnerable, and they've just they've chosen not to do that. Um Uh, retired Navy Captain Jim Fennell has another theory. The lack of air power is part of Russian psychological warfare by President Vladimir Putin. My assessment is that Putin is waiting to drop the hammer.
3: Mm, Yeah, see, that's what I wonder about with all this stuff.
4: Yeah, the delays in large-scale assaults on uh, Kiev and other major cities could be part of a strategic pause on the part
3: of the Russian military. Difficult to say. The world is watching. He could be thinking, let's do this. With as little ugliness as possible, I'm completely willing to get as ugly as I have to get. But let's just let's do it in
4: bits. Well, the, the argument against that, though, is that the, the bombardment of the civilians and the refugees and the rest of it, that's the ugly part. If he would used fighters with precision guided weapons, he could have just exclusively targeted military targets. Right. And uh, subject you know brought the Ukrainian military to its knees and and told the civilians don't worry we're not we're not here to hurt you. We're not here to hurt anyone. We're not here to destroy your beautiful cities. We just can't have a, a part of Russia, historical Russia all of a sudden be cleaving onto the west. It's no good. But we're brothers here. We're totally brothers. Here. No, instead they're slaughtering civilians
3: by the thousands. It's crazy. There is so much we don't know on both sides. We are going to find out in the coming years, how involved U.S. military was in all this, probably. One more thing from the New York Post. Putin is up against a wall and ready to lash out. What happens when a nuclear-armed dictator, with the ability to literally destroy civilization in 30 minutes? Think about that. If, if his generals would follow his orders, he could destroy the planet in a half an hour. Mm-hmm. That's amazing that there is a person on Earth, out of seven billion, that has the ability to wipe out the whole planet. And that's something. They're, hell, there are a handful of them. Um. Anyway, he's backed into a corner and he doesn't see a way out. How is he going to handle this? Boy, need all the best uh, psychologists in a, in a, in the world to figure that one out.
4: Yeah, I read that Ross Duthat piece that you mentioned from the uh, New York Times the other day, and, and one thing he stated that I thought was interesting and goes against a lot of what I've been hearing is clear commitments, we will fight here, we won't fight there, he says, are the coin of the nuclear realm since the goal is to give the enemy the responsibility for escalation. Give them the responsibility to make it feel its apocalyptic weight while also feeling it can always choose another path. Whereas unpredictable escalations up, up, up and maximalist objectives often used in conventional warfare are the enemy of nuclear peace. So don't give Putin a no win, because that's when you get the nuclear arms flying around.
3: That's the art of war saying of only surround your enemy on three sides. Right. Right. Good. Yeah. Well done. Well played. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one. And then the other side of it is, how long do we get to let him set the terms? He gets to decide how far things go. He sets the rules. Well, the nuclear-powered madmen of the world are, are observing and taking notes, no doubt. As opposed to uh, the Western world says, okay, we're going to establish a no-fly zone. You fire not, we're taking you out. All right? Letting you know right now, good warning, you got 24 hours, we're establishing a... May, put him in the position of, do I want to take this to the next level? I don't know which is right. I've listened to smart people argue both sides of it. Right, yeah. Yeah, indeed. These everybody's questions guessing, are exceedingly difficult. Everybody's guessing to a certain extent. Man, the stakes literally could not be higher. An, a perfectly good use of the word literally could not be higher. Destruction of the entire planet. Uh, text line four one five two nine five KFTC.
1: Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Visa and MasterCard on Saturday suspended credit card processing operations in Russia. And despite that, they still don't take Discover. (laughs) How long can a
3: society function under Russia's current situation? Both the official sanctions and the uh, individually... Um, implemented corporate things with no credit cards, no Internet services, all these different things. How long can can Russia function like that?
4: Well, the protests we've seen, which have been huge, and the number of people arrested, unprecedented, that's been based on, like, moral arguments. This is wrong. I don't want to be party to it. My country should not be doing that. When you add, like, practical pain and hey, my life is completely screwed up and I'm having trouble feeding my family and my business is going under, when you add that sort of dissatisfaction to the you know, the political moral stuff, I think we might see serious, serious unrest in Russia. Hard to say, though.
3: Joe Biden's going to come out and announce a U.S. ban on Russian oil imports, and then there are stories that he's going to travel to Saudi Arabia and other places and beg for them to fill in the gap of oil. Saudi Arabia is barely a better country than Russia. I've been hearing all day he's going to announce this. When's he going to announce it? Get to the Um, announcing, old man. The New York Times said they are pulling out of Russia because of the new laws. Oh, right. Which you can go to prison for, you know, uh, using the word war or invasion or occupation or any of those things. So uh, we've got a serious financial, informational iron curtain that is coming down. Quite quickly. Regarding Russia, I mean, cutting off oil today, the New York Times pulling out all those corporations, all the the financial stuff. I mean, it's there is a serious shutdown of of Russia. And and while uh, the,
4: the cares and concerns of the Russian people are important, I'm picturing all of the oligarchs who are critical to Putin staying in power, how unhappy they are right now. And the alleged second-in-command is the the head of their military who's floundering, apparently. So, boy, in the highest uh, halls of the Kremlin, there are a lot
3: of sweaty collars, I think. There have got to be. How how the hell does this play out? It's completely unsustainable, obviously. Russia can't continue to function like this. People are going to starve. Businesses will all come to a halt. It's
4: a totalitarian I just, I just even, society. How long will uh, will cops continue to arrest protesters and, and and club them down with nightsticks? How long till the cops uh, turn to the other side? I don't know.
3: Right. Because maybe they can maybe never <laughs> because they're not getting paid or they can't, you know, they can't pay their bills or they don't have any energy of their own or whatever. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. Or their,
3: their brother just died.
4: Their their drafted brother just died in an ill conceived, poorly organized, floundering effort to
3: subjugate Ukraine. I mean, that sort of thing is just starting. I got a poll question I'm going to throw out, and maybe we'll talk about it uh, next segment. If you were in the same position as Ukrainians are now, would you stay and fight or leave your country? Poll of Republicans and Democrats can have the answer for you coming up. Interesting.
4: I have nits to pick, but I will wait. Uh, plus, I want to get back to that whole question of who should decide what's taught in schools. The professional educators would tell you, <laughs> professional educators, PhDs in education should decide what's taught in schools. When the answer is exactly the opposite, in my opinion, I will opine. And I will give you a link to the other guy who opined, who my opining is based upon. Some might even say plagiaring, plagiarizing. And there's no room for plagiarizing in education.
3: And yet I will. <laughs> would you stay and fight or would you leave the country if you're in the same situation as those Ukrainians? We'll get to that poll and a bunch of other stuff coming up. If you miss an hour of the show, you can get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
2: And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: So we elected this uh elderly senile man to be our president a while back and he hmm. is seems speaking like an odd thing to do. He's speaking again currently. Well, it was in uh it was in response to this game show host that uh slightly more than half of the country didn't want.
5: Hmm. Whatever. Whatever. You know,
3: when you say it like that, it seems like we're a uh, we're off the rails.
4: We just got an email from a guy who who was railing against the very idea that Biden won. He said Trump won by, I can't remember the number, 13 million votes,
3: you idiots. All right.
4: Okay. Thanks Uh, for that info. uh,
3: So the, the senile old president is speaking currently. And well, here's just a tiny bit of what he said.
4: We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports and the American people will
5: Deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine.
3: Yeah, I get the idea of not continuing to buy oil from a country you're essentially at war with. That makes sense to me. Uh, but I wonder, and we'll bring this to you: Is he going to get anywhere in his speech? He should have done this in the State of the Union address, s- preparing people for the fact that gas is going to get expensive, could be expensive for a while. It's worth it for the cause of freedom, etc., etc. Is he going? Is he going to lay any responsibility on us or not?
4: I have no in idea. short, lead the nation.
3: I just saw this tweet of an anti-Soviet, uh, an anti-Soviet cartoon from 1968. 1968 is when the country of Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia attempted to rise up and uh, come out from underneath the grips of the Soviet Union, and uh, tanks rolled over to the top of them. And a bunch of people got shot. Anyway, you got this guy in a uh, Soviet. Uniform with a smoking gun standing over a dead woman. And the dead woman is labeled as freedom. And the caption is, she might have invaded Russia. That's why Putin's doing this. It's the democracy on his doorstep. It's not because we pushed him into it by talking about NATO. All right? Now to the poll I was talking about a little bit ago. Charles C.W. Cook tweeting out, good lord, this poll is appalling. Well, hmm. let will see if you think it's appalling. The question stated, I woke up appalled. Yeah. I do spend a fair amount of time appalled. Yeah.
4: It's kind of my set point, really. <laughs> I mean, if like, you ever, ever wonder, how's Joe feeling right now? Just assume appalled
3: <laughs> by something or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> a variety of topics. Sure. Could be geopolitical. Could be very close to home. I mean, just yeah. like something very just happened to me. Um, what would Americans do? As the world witnesses what is happening in to Ukraine, Americans were asked what they would do if they were in the same position as Ukrainians are now. Stay and fight or leave the country. A majority, 55%, said they would stay and fight. 38% said they would leave the country. When you break it down by party, Republicans sixty-eight twenty-five say they would stay and fight. Wow. Independence 5736 still a Demo- large majority. Democrats 5240 would leave the country. Wow. Wow. Um that is appalling. You know I'll
4: throw in the caveat, it's a poll about what you hope you would do. Because don't tell me how you'd react if a gun were pointed at your head. Nobody knows until it happens, but the the very sentiment it uncovers is still incredibly revealing. That's what's, oh, well, appalling. Most Democrats say I'd head for the hills, man. Let somebody else defend the country.
3: So I was thinking about this as honestly as I could when I came across this poll yesterday. If I'm single and childless, it's not even a question. Not even a freaking question. I'm staying. Uh, Not even a question, but sole provider, got kids, got somewhere to go, maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm not. uh, Again, I would want to stay, put my kids on a train to somewhere. It's a tough one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As the sole
4: provider. Yeah, that that is yet another twist. I, I was seeing if I still had my little tab open with Napoleon quotes because he has a humdinger about death is nothing but uh, cowardice is a thousand deaths lived over and over and over again. You know, and the legacy of when it tam- came time to, you know, defend the country. Well, it was dangerous, uh, son.
3: So I left. Um yeah, that's again, the thing. In the she- sole
4: providers, is absolutely a different question.
3: It's the old Shakespeare quote of uh, 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 the brave die, but once the coward dies a thousand times. Right, right. That's Shakespeare always saying something, you know?
4: <laughs> always I find stringing together words. <laughs> yeah. Too many quotes in his books. Them Shakespeare books. Hey, here's a quote for you, and you're going to want to remember it. U.S. News, uh, this is a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe, by the way. U.S. News, uh, PC Magazine, Popular Science, uh, have all said Simply Safe Home Security was the best home security of 2021. Uh, U.S. News is out with their 2022 list, uh, already and have said, again, yeah, Simply Safe is your best option
3: as a, as a consumer. Yes, yeah, so Simply Safe. As a security system, backed by the best 24-7 professional monitoring in the business, ready to dispatch police, firefighters, or EMTs to your home, you get you can set up the cameras everywhere so you just plain have an idea of what's going on at your house when you're there or you're not. It's something that you can have for less than a dollar a day. You set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. Very simple to use.
4: Somebody comes to your door, your phone tells you immediately. It's great no long term contracts, Customize contracts, that word is. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with the interactive monitoring. simplysafe.com slash Armstrong.
3: Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Charles C.W. Cook is, uh, is good with words. He's writing in the National no Review. He's no Shakespeare. Writing in the National Review about the poll we were just talking about. Asking Americans whether they would stay and fight if the United States were invaded by Russia. The results make sobering and often disgraceful reading. 68% of Republicans said they would stay and fight, with 25% indicating that they'd run away. Uh, The poll asked, would you stay and fight or leave? You can call it running away. I'm fine with that. Among independents, those numbers are fifty-seven, thirty-six, and if you just joined us among Democrats, they're in the negative territory. 40% would stay and fight. 52% would leave. For what it's worth, I would like very much to think I would stay and fight
4: and or find a way to uh, aid the resistance, a significant way. I would pour all of my energies into the resistance, whether it was with a gun in my hand or otherwise.
3: You know, I hope I'm not fooling myself, because like you said, it's easy to theoretically discuss these things as opposed to the reality of, am I going to get on that train or am I going to put on my work boots and a jacket and go get a gun? Um, But I think if I didn't have the responsibility of children, it'd be a pretty clear cut. This is going to be what this is a fantastic way to go out. If I go out, if this is what's going to be the end of my life. Awesome. Awesome, life well spent. Let's break it down by age. Among fifty to sixty four year old men and women, the stay leave numbers are sixty six twenty eight. Overwhelmingly. Two thirds say I'd stay and fight. I'm sorry, two thirds of what I was distracted. Breaking it down by age. Okay. Um uh, fifty to sixty four year old men and women. Got it. So people over fifty. Uh, Two-thirds say they would stay to fight. Among 18- to 34-year-olds who are much less likely to have children and are certainly healthier, it's 45-48. Or to put it another way, Charles Cook says, a majority of the prime-aged Americans whom the United States would need if we were ever in a crisis like this would flee if that crisis ever came.
4: Well, sorry to cite the obvious, but this is what comes of training them systematically in the public schools and universities to hate their country and to believe a a dystopian, distorted, twisted lens view of America, American history and American life.
3: We have been looking at this question all wrong, it just occurs to me, in our minds, because we already have an opinion of the United States is... You know, am I am I uh, doing the right thing for my family or blah, 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 blah. I'm going to die, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. For the young people, the question is, is this a country worth fighting for? No. Right. No, it's not. Exactly right. So we were, I was looking at the question through the wrong lens. Or my lens. I was looking it through my lens and making a determination. If, you're, if you don't even believe it's a country worth fighting for, well, then it's a completely different equation. I could dig into the
4: stack of emails here. All sorts of families talking about what's going on in their schools. The loathsome things being taught to their kids, even the littlest kids, five, six-year-olds being taught to uh, despise the country or that all white people are racists or, or the rest of it.
3: it. It really gives me a heavy heart. Well, I, I know a couple of college-age people specifically. I've never asked this question specifically, but I would be uh, very confident that they have the feeling of this country is not worth fighting for because of, like you're saying, what they've been taught. Well, clearly,
4: that poll, you know, it's indisputable. That is a widespread opinion, and I'm not the least bit surprised by it. I'm saddened by it, but I'm not surprised. Something we ought to pay attention to. You know, I played golf the other day with a a gentleman who uh, spent the first seven years of his life in Cuba before the Communist Party officials showed up, this was not terribly long after the revolution, and announced that your house is now the property of the Communist Party. It will be used to house high-level officials. Uh, by the way, all of your uh, possessions, likewise, you can keep the clothes on your back, etc. You have 30 days to get out, and they were allowed to flee to the United States in in the 60s, and. Like so many people who had similar stories, whether from the Soviet bloc or, or, you know, you name the hellhole around the earth. This guy is so fiercely patriotic. And he's no fool. He's a very smart guy. He understands the, the flaws and sins of America. But he is so fiercely defensive of everything we get right here in this country and have gotten right historically. And he is so fiercely critical of the ways we're going sideways. He was an inspiration to hang around. Huh. and and we don't teach our children that anymore because the professional educator class that we've tasked with that are so so radical and twisted in their politics and i think it's it it is we have injected a disease into our society it is an experiment jack you you've asked this question has there ever been an advanced society that has taught its children self-loathing for
3: generations i don't think so seen i can't how imagine how the experiment played out i can't imagine it's a weird thing to do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's damn near suicidal, or it could be. Let me hit you with one more line from Charles C.W. Cook's uh, analysis of this poll. As a matter of basic civic hygiene, cool phrase, the number of young American men declaring their readiness to resist in case of an attack on their country ought to be approaching 100%. For without them, our abstract commitments to ideals such as liberty, democracy, and equality mean nothing. Yeah, it should be close to 100%. Of young people who would say I would defend the country. So I uh, throw it out to you. And since you're anonymous on the text line, feel free to be honest. If you're a runaway, why? Or if you're older, uh, do you think your uh, kids would stay and fight or runaway? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. If email is more your speed, go with mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I'll be interested to see the results. Stay tuned.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We'll probably bring this
3: poll up again tomorrow when we've gotten a lot of texts and emails. The question being, if the same thing that happened in Ukraine happened in the United States, would you stay and fight or leave the country? And a um, a majority, thank God, of Americans would stay and fight, but the numbers aren't near high enough. And most of the people are on the older end. Of the younger crowd, it's about 50-50 stay and fight or leave and well um, it's a little less than 50%, right? which yeah. is horrifying. See so we got this text cynical text Only 10 to 20% of the 65% of people who say they would stay and fight would actually follow through. You're a cynical, cynical, sad person. Are you watching Ukraine? I know for a lot of you, and and I know plenty of people like this, but I know for a lot of you, you think the idea of dying for your country is like a joke or in movies or silly. But there are, believe it or not, actually a lot of people That are willing to do that. Look at Ukraine. And there are a lot of Americans that are willing to do that. Maybe not you and your friends. And I don't understand your worldview. As one texter said, so what country would these people fight for? Would you not fight for any country? So are you just willing to, like, live in whatever piece of land somebody takes and go by their rules? Or are there other countries you would fight for? I mean, I don't even understand your resistance.
4: I think there's a lot of delusion in that point of view. I think they, they picture the conquering horde coming in and just being mean to Republicans or people in MAGA hats. But they'll be nice to us because we will we'll welcome our foreign invaders. No, they won't smash you in the face. They won't smash your microbrewery. They won't jail your gay friend or whatever particular perverse you know ideology comes to bear in, in the new uh, Chinese states of America or whatever. I, uh, I just I, I think it's so delusional. It's a childish, unrealistic,
3: entirely academic worldview. And I have trouble not getting angry in the face of people who think patriotism is not a thing. Who I think I'll, it's all phony and performative. I will tell you this. Well, that's clearly not true, and I understand
4: your your anger. But to that person, they there is a grain of truth in what they say. It's what I said. I would like to think I would stay and fight. It's a poll about what
3: you would like to think you would do. I think it would be more likely that you would stay and fight once the rubber met the road. That's exactly I- right. Exactly right. That was my point about the microbreweries
4: and your friends getting smashed in the face and the rest of it. And all of a sudden they don't let you fly a rainbow flag or whatever. In fact, they'll kill you for it. Then see if you feel like fighting. But I would, I would suggest to that person, okay, so you don't think 100% of the people who said yes would stay and fight. Well, I'm encouraged that the number is high as it is. Maybe the percentage who would stay and fight is high enough that we can keep this beautiful country, uh, you know, this beautiful country. If, if the answer were some sort of You know, 32%. Well, yeah, not every person is going to live up to their promise. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So much cynicism, so much misguided ideology.
3: I'm picturing the people I know, and uh, several of them I really, really like, who are definitely part of the I would leave crowd, because what has America ever done for me, or... You know, I'm not going to be a sucker, that sort of thing. And I, I just, I don't understand. What do you think is going to replace the country you live in if your country loses to the bad guys? Are you thinking this through? Oh, it'll be just the same, just a different flag.
4: And yeah. all of these things that I've come to not appreciate and take fully for granted, my entire life will continue to be. It's, it's a lack of
3: perspective. I, you know, that's the long and short of I'll it. I'll still get to have a job and do my thing and have my savings and my checking account. And i no, you won't. See, that's the thing. Maybe if you're able, if I was able to talk to a lot of these people who say they would leave and if I really explained it to them, look, they're going to take your car and your uh, cute com- cool computer game setup and all the money you, you've got or, and that your parents have got. If you're planning on inheriting your parents' money, that's all going to be taken also. It's entirely so, possible. Sure. Do you have yeah. do you have any more interest in fighting now that you know that? Because your yeah. your life as you know it is not going to continue.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you uh, measure con- countries, folks. I'm talking to you who would flee. Measure countries by how many people want to leave and how many people want to get in. Okay. The answer to this terrible, flawed, awful, racist, paternalistic, blah, blah, blah place is millions, hundreds of millions of people, billions of people, not tens of billions, I know the world population. Billions of people would like to be Americans for all of our flaws. Doesn't that say something to you? Those of uh, uh, they who grew up in, uh, you know, much more difficult countries, oppressive regimes,
3: uh, stunted economies, the rest of it. Doesn't that say something? A lot of times when I hear these conversations uh, on talk radio, they're, they're kind of setting up a straw man and then arguing against it for their audience. But having looked at this poll, there's a lot of you out there who would leave. So this is not a straw man argument. There are I'm a lot. lot of you out there who would leave. And, and some of those,
4: as you pointed out, would actually stay. But most of you would leave, leave. I don't want you to be my countryman. That's fine.
3: Go. If you miss an hour of the show, go to the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com.
1: Armstrong and Getty. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God.